Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Breaking the grip of fear. Father, we just ask for the anointing that is in and on your word to be released in and through your servant. We give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, in, in, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 29 and verse 25, the Word of God says it very, very clearly, and that is the fear of people. The fear of man is a trap. Who are you fearful of? Has somebody come against you to take something from you? You know, the most precious things that you have or your own personal peace. The fear of man is a trap. It is a snare, according to Proverbs 29, 25. But I want to read this to you while we wait for our numbers passage. This is the heart cry of David. The Lord is my light in my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat me up, to destroy me, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may arise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That is, that I might be in the presence of the Lord, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble, He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret place of His tabernacle, He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now... My head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his presence. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. In the time of trouble, in the time of opposition, in the time of attack, in the time when enemies surround you, Remember who fights for you and with you, and rejoice, seek his close, intimate presence. So today we talk about breaking the grip of the fear of man, and the fear as we continue what we studied last week, the fear of our own personal inadequacy. The context is Moses, whom we've been studying had led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, and they were on their way to that land that God had promised Abraham, the land that flowed with milk and honey. And on a straight path, on a straight path, it wouldn't have taken very long. Some have said as little as 40-some-odd days. 
on a straight path. But they got to a place called Kadesh Barnea on the verge of the land of Canaan. And there they saw all kinds of opposition encamped in what should have been their land. And so we pick up the story there about how they responded. Moses had sent out people to spy out the land. One from every tribe of Israel, 12 men. They went over into the land of Canaan to spy out this wonderful land that God had promised Abraham, but for long periods of time had not been inhabited by his covenant people. How many of you know if you don't uh, inherit what God has given you as an inheritance, there will be trespassers all over your land? There'll be trespassers against your joy, against your peace, against your blessing, against your provision. If you don't lay hold of it by faith and stand on the ground God has given you, there will be plenty of trespassers glad to settle on that land. So you have to be aggressive in your faith about that very issue. So these spies, 12 of them, went and spied out the land of Canaan. They, by very, the very term spy means they went without being recognized. They were on a secret mission. And they came back. And uh, here's what we read in the 13th chapter of the book of Numbers. That when they returned, they brought word, verse 26, to the congregation, and they showed them fruit of the land. If you go up a few verses, you find out that the land was so fertile, they cut down one stalk of grapes and had to carry it on a pole between two men. It was... You say, what is, what's a big deal like that? I mean, I can go to the Piggly Wiggly or Publix and see something like that. These people had been in Egyptian bondage in a Middle Eastern desert for years and years and years and years and years. They didn't see anything fertile like this. So they brought back this example of the fertility of the land and their eyes big as saucers, the excitement growing. And here's what the spies, at least 10 of the 12, said to them, verse 27, they spoke to Moses and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. Milk and honey was symbolic of the productivity and fertility of that land. This is its fruit, showed them the pole of grapes. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Who were the descendants of Anak? The Bible tells us that, do you remember when David fought the Philistine giant? He was a genetic descendant of the tribe of Anak. And the Bible lets us know as we look at the, at the description of his height that he was well over nine feet tall. How would you like to physically have to deal with somebody over nine feet tall? And this was a generation, a genetic group of giants, and that's a good word for them, the sons of Anak, the Anakim, as they're referred to in the Old Testament. And so these spies came back, 
and said, the land is great. There's nothing wrong with the land. The only problem is there are all kinds of issues and reasons why we can't have it. Do you understand the root of what's going on here? God said, this is yours. And they said, here's why we can't have what you say is ours. And they pointed out, first of all, to circumstances. Oh, those cities over there, they, they are fortified. They've got forts. They've got walls. There is no way that, that we can penetrate that. They didn't have a trained army. They'd been slaves for many, many years. They said there's no way because of the circumstances that we saw. What's your circumstances today? What's telling you? You can't have that. You cannot have God's best. You can't walk in the Lord's best for you. You can't walk in, in the, 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 the beauty and the gift of what God would want for you. His provision, His health, His peace. You can't have that. Your circumstances are too great. And besides that, the people over there, they, look, they own this and you will never be able to have what somebody else. Squatters' rights, trespassers. They have, they, they'll resist you. You can't have it. So here's my question to you. Who are you allowing to keep you from having God's best? Is, your, is it your rebellious son or daughter? You can pray. You can weep. You can cry. You can have faith, but you can't change anybody. If you could, you had already done it. What about those who continue to try to do you wrong? It may be a former spouse. It may be an employer. It may be somebody that seems to be an emissary, an actual agent of the evil one, who seems to have as their mission your demise. Are you allowing them to keep you from God's very best? And that starts on the inside. It doesn't start in your circumstances. It starts in your internal walk with Jesus. Nobody should be able to steal that. Our circumstances, the people, we can't have it. I want you to notice something powerful here, verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go at once right now and take possession for, watch this, we are well able to overcome it. Now hold on just a minute. They all went together as a group and 10 of them said, no way. And, Abe, and, and here's Caleb saying, I saw the same thing you guys saw. Let's go right now. We're well able. So what's the, what's the difference? 
it wasn't what they saw with their external eyes. It's what they saw in their internal lens. What lens are you looking through today? Is it a lens of faith and trust in God and His Word? Or are you continuing to just look at your circumstances? And are you continuing to believe and say, we can't have this? I want you to notice what happens. Verse 31, the men, after Caleb said that, stood up and said, we are not able to go against the people. How many of you know that you've got some people close to you who will not share your faith in what God's best for you is, and they will throw cold water on your faith? The people closest to you will sometimes be the one who will tell you, you can't have that. You better beware. Jesus' own family were the slowest to believe and follow him, Jeff. We're not able. And look at verse 32. They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land. Wait a minute now. <laughs> Let's go back here. What did they first of all start saying? Look at verse 27. The land's good. It's flowing with milk and honey. It is fertile. The land's good. And now, we, in the course of one conversation, they said, this is a bad land. It devours its inhabitants. All the people we saw in it are of great stature. Can I tell you something? The longer you operate in unbelief, the more that lens of yours is going to dull and, and you are going to begin, for your mouth is going to get worse and worse and worse talking about what you can and can't have in God's plan. And it won't take long. Unbelief grows, it doesn't stay in neutral. It always rolls downhill and gathers momentum. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And when you, when you stop hearing that Word and standing in and on that Word, when you, when you stop doing that, you start rolling downhill in your journey with the Lord. All of us are tested. but God gives us the grace to go through and pass any test that come our way. There was a bad report. So I'm trying to tell you, there are those all around you today, well-meaning people, even people who love you, when God has told you that you can have something and you are willing to stand on it, there are people all around you, people that will disappoint you because they will say you can't have that. You can't have that. So who are you going to believe? They gave the people a bad report. And notice it got worse and worse. Verse 33. These guys said, There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from giants. And look, look, at, look at this. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. No, wait a minute now. 
We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. In other words, our view of ourself was we were nothing more than an insect compared to all the opposition in that land. Boy, what a self-image, huh? When we saw our circumstances, when we saw the people, why, we were nothing but grasshoppers. Victims. Wow. But notice it didn't stop there. He said, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Wait a minute now. They were spies. They went into the land incognito. How did they know that they were being looked at as grasshoppers? Can I tell you something? If you start operating in your fear, your imagination will run you deeper and deeper into a hole, and you will imagine how you're being perceived, and it will have nothing to do with the truth. You will begin to believe, and you will perceive in your own mind, well, they don't like me very much. I don't, I, they, they, they don't care for me. I, he, he, and it'll go on and on and on. Wow. And so notice how the leadership, when they begin to speak in their unbelief, notice how that affected the congregation, chapter 14, verse 1. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron against the only ones who had given them the truth. And the whole congregation said to them, Oh, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. It had been better for us to go back there and be slaves again and make bricks for the Pharaoh. Or if only in these last few days, if we had just died, we'd, then we wouldn't have had to face all this. You ever feel that way? Some of us have been through some deep stuff, and some of you are in deep stuff right now. Of course it'd be easier to die. Of course. But life is not in your hands. You didn't give yourself life. It was given to you by the Creator. And you have no right to do anything but participate with the Creator as long as He gives you breath and to partner with Him. So all the children of Israel complained against the leadership, against the godly leadership. Um, what do you get from this, Pastor? You better get under the right spiritual leadership. It does affect, it does affect your journey. It does affect your faith. It does affect how you perceive what God is saying. Notice they questioned why. Look at verse 3. Why has the Lord brought us out of the, into this land to fall by the sword? <laughs> oh. How fast did they forget, Johnny? God said, I'm going to lead you into the land. I promised my man Abraham it's a land that's my highest and best, it flows with milk and honey, and this is going to be your everlasting possession. And they said, God brought us out to wipe us out. 
Can I ask you something? Are you defining God's intentions towards you based on your present circumstances? Are you allowing what you have seen happen in your life or your business or your marriage or whatever? Are you basing that God's intentions based on that or on his word? Do you really believe God wants the best for you? That he truly sees you in a place of favor? Do you really believe that God wants to meet every need that you have so that you can be a blessing to others? Do you really believe the confession of 3 John 2? Where it's recorded in Scripture, I desire above all things that you be in good health and that you prosper in all things. Oh, based on what? Your circumstances or the Word? We all have some work to do in our own unbelief, don't we? And you know what? What really gets clouded when I have unbelief about the promises of God, I start failing to believe that his intentions toward me are good. And I want to tell you, The grace of God will change our perspective. And the truth of God will change our perspective. I'll tell you more about my own journey on April the 8th. I'll tell you about my own struggles with why God would allow certain things to happen. And I'll tell you where the Lord has brought me. I hope you'll be here. I have had to struggle in my own journey, as, as do you, with whether or not I believe God's intentions towards me are always good. I have, in my life, by the grace of God, come to see some things in a different perspective that you can't really see when you're right in the middle of the circumstance. Some of you know and you felt what I just said very powerfully. I want you to know that Joshua and Caleb refused to allow the testimony of the unbelievers to become their testimony. How many of you know that sometimes if you just constantly stay around the majority and they constantly speak of unbelief, it's very, very difficult to go against the majority. It takes God's special grace. But I want you to notice here when Joshua and Caleb were tested, they stood right up. And they said, verse 7, 
The land which we pass through is an exceedingly good land. It's getting better and better. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they, these Anakim, all of these Ites, the Canaanites and Jebusites and Amorites and Hittites, and all of them are our bread. You know what that means? In our vernacular, we would say, well, they're toast. Do not fear them. The Lord is with us. And notice the response of the congregation, verse 10. All the congregation said, To those who spoke in faith, let silence their voice and stone them with stones. You remember what I just told you earlier in this message? Unbelief spirals down. It gets worse and worse, and it doesn't take long. But if you're speaking words of faith and all of those closest to you are battling even against you in their own unbelief, listen to what I'm about to say. Where did the unbelief lead them? If you read on in chapter 14, you will find out that God said, you were leaders of my people. I have shown you great and mighty miracles. I delivered you out of the hand of, of Pharaoh. I walked you through the Red Sea. I have shown you great and mighty miracles. And by the way, let me tell you, miracles, seeing miracles won't increase your faith. It'll encourage you, but it won't increase your faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, not seeing miracles. These people had seen great and mighty miracles and spiraled down in unbelief. Do you know what God said to that generation of leadership that made that kind of confession? He said, not one of you will be able to enter into the land. I'm going to take my people into the land, but not one of you will be able to see it because you have given an evil report. God equates unbelief with evil. Hebrews 3 tells us that they were not able to enter into the land of promise because of their unbelief. They gave an evil report. See, we think we got a list of things we think is evil. If you ask God what his list of evil was, he'd say unbelief. A failure to believe me. Wow. See, I would get into sin because I would fail to believe that the presence of a God who loves me is right here, right now. Right? Unbelief is the heart of all of our brokenness. Well, God said they won't enter into this land. I can't allow this land of promise to be polluted by those who will not believe. I'm going to spare your little ones. I'm going to give them special grace. And I'm going to bring them into this land. And Joshua and Caleb, 
those who have believed. And their loved ones, they will. But now I want you to notice something, verse 20. The carcasses of you who have complained against me, God says, shall fall in this wilderness. All of you. All of you. 20 years and above. Wow. Do you know that there are all kinds of bad effects for unbelief? There's physical calamity. There's a destruction of safety. There is all kinds, all kinds. I wonder today if you would say, you know, Pastor, I just believe God has the highest and best for me, but there's just so many circumstances that have risen up against me, and it seems that my circumstances, or even other people, are just constantly keeping me from experiencing God's best. I see today that any unbelief that I may have is lethal. So I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to show me any areas in my inner man where there's unbelief. I ask you to show me where I've either failed or neglected to really believe you. By your Spirit, by your enablement, I, I, I will receive the grace to love, to believe, and to take another step of obedience into that land of your highest and best. Forgive me for always believing that's somebody else. I thank you that you still want the very best for me. And so by faith, Lord, I ask your cleansing for my unbelief. And I say to you, I will obey by your grace. And I'll begin to move into those areas of relationship, of health, of finances, of ministry, of the business assignment you've given me in obedience to you, Lord. Forgive me for beginning to believe your intentions towards me are not good based on my circumstances. I repent of that. Your word is my life. Your word is the truth. And I will believe and stand on that holy word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you glory and honor and praise that we don't have to fear any person on this, in this world. You are our God, and we pray that we would stay in that holy place of fellowship with you, recognizing that you yourself are our security. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, well, I look forward to seeing you on Resurrection Sunday in two weeks. Go with God, He's going with you.
You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.